Welcome to Teach Me Something, the podcast where I, I don't know, look into anything at all, anything I'm curious about, and then I find the best things and I teach it to you. Mm -hmm. I'm Melissa. And I'm Everett. So, um, this this episode, we're going to start off with, uh, with story time because I'm sure you've noticed that this is a short episode and also a day late. Mm -hmm. So, yes. uh, there's a reason. I promise there's a reason. Yes. Kind of a good reason. Um, so to, to start at the beginning, I had a cool episode. I have, it'll, mm -hmm. it'll, it'll happen still. Um, our next episode about the East India company, companies, uh, and we are going to have our special guest history buff Warren yep. on, on the show. Um, and, uh, unfortunately the weather decided that it was going to start being winter, all of a sudden. So about, uh, I don't know, 2 p.m., day of recording, you know, Warren thinks maybe driving across the city in a lot of snowstorm is just not a smart idea. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay. It's not a smart idea. Sure. So I quickly start writing another episode. But obviously, I know I can't write a whole episode. So I'm going to write a mini episode. Uh and uh, I decide, you know, I'm going to help out some friends and sub for their dodgeball team, which is a sport I do play, by the way. This isn't random. Yeah. Um, and I, instead of recording the podcast, I thought we'll do it after. It's just a mini episode. It's fine. Show up to dodgeball. The very first throw, dislocate and pretty much shatter my finger. So um, we didn't record. That night since I was in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so then today, today we've got, we've got the pins in place in, in the hand and, uh, hopefully the, the healing, uh, is, is, uh, On its way. commencing. Yeah. And, um, so we're recording now. Yeah. And, and luckily, you know, pins and fingers don't really inhibit our ability to record podcasts. So no, they might inhibit my ability to type and write mm, podcasts. Yes, but like I said, I already had that other episode done. Yeah. So in two weeks, we'll do the East India Company episode. If you guys are interested in hearing about that, absolutely. Um, I think that'll give me some time to slowly one hand type the next episode, and then and then my hand should be better. So um, it's, it's so. not Warren's fault. Don't blame him because if he hadn't canceled, this never would have happened. <laughs> um, but don't blame him. He doesn't listen to the podcast. So it's okay if I say this. Okay. He won't feel bad. Um, and instead, we're going to do this little mini episode because I didn't want to leave you guys hanging with absolutely nothing. Of course. Um, and we're going to talk about the glass delusion. Mm. Which... Interesting timing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think my problem is that I didn't think I was made of glass, not yes. that I did. Okay, well, fair enough. Um, so if you're confused, maybe we should start explaining a little bit about the glass delusion. Yeah, let's go ahead and you teach me something. Okay, so I think this is a very interesting medical condition. Mm -hmm. Obviously, maybe not obviously, a psychiatric condition. Um, that existed mostly, like, between the 15th and 17th centuries in Europe. Right. 
which is kind of a weird thing to say. Um, it might kind of be an example of mass psychogenic, psychogenic illness, like it's kind of contagious, but it's in not in the physical sense of the word. Yeah, more like it's suggestive in the psyche, and society had this idea at the time. Right. Um, and then since, since then, there's not much documentation of it. There's some, not, not, there's not zero, mm-hmm. but, but it largely disappeared. Um, and it seems to mostly have plagued royalty and the upper classes, but I'll, I'll touch on that again later and mostly men. Yeah. And um, also the opposites to effectively superheroes in movies. <laughs> like Unbreakable. You know, I feel like all the research I did, there is a few podcasts that talk about some of these stories, and every one of them makes an unbreakable joke. Uh, yeah. You're not original. Uh, I'm I so sorry. So. It's okay. I'll survive. <laughs> How do you not make that joke, I guess? Um, so, if this isn't clear, this is basically the belief that a person was made of, or partly made of, glass and therefore they were constantly worried about breaking shattering you know Mm -hmm. um and there were a lot of famous authors that wrote stories and poetry um with with themes about the glass delusion uh like descartes meditations on first philosophy and cervantes is the glass graduate okay uh so it was definitely in the the common kind of in the in the psyche in the yeah. meta of the of the day, um, so I would like to start with the most famous case of the glass delusion. If you ever heard of the glass delusion, it's because you've heard of King Charles the Sixth of France, right? I think um, that's the only place I know it from. Okay, well, good because I have some other examples. Perfect. So you will learn something new as well. Excellent. So King Charles VI was king from 1380 to 1422. Uh, He ascended the throne at age 11, and they called him Charles the Beloved. Okay. Initially, at least. Hmm. That's not what he would go down in in history as, unfortunately. So um, when he was 23, in, in 1392... It's when the first documentation of psychiatric symptoms um, emerged. Uh, so they they noted that he was kind of like hyper inattentive, couldn't stop talking, couldn't stop moving. Like, I don't know, possibly we would maybe say manic or... Uh, it's hard to tell because they use different language. They use the language feverish, but that doesn't mean a fever. Okay. Back in that day, it's kind of like not... His behavior. Yeah, but but it kind of it kind of had this connotation of like he wasn't entirely in this world, like not entirely lucid. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. You know, moved quickly, didn't make good decisions, rash, all these things. Okay. Um. So in the midst of these symptoms emerging, he decides to lead a military expedition to capture an assassin who tried to murder one of his friends. That's that's not usually something kings forward. do. Yeah, okay. Kings usually don't do those things personally, but yeah. he did. And he brought a small group of men with him. That'll be important. Uh, so they're riding through the forest, and this man runs up to him and kind of like grabs onto his horse and is all freaky, and he's clearly got leprosy, and his clothes are all messed up, and he's like yelling and scaring everybody. Um, and told the king, you need to turn back, good 
king, there's a traitor among you. You will be betrayed. You need to turn back. And so, you know, the men get this guy away from the king and they keep riding. But this kind of triggered yeah. triggered the king's uh, symptoms and anxieties. Um, and then the stories all go that one of his pages dropped something. It's always like a different thing in the different stories. But like basically it was something metal, like helmet, sword, something that made a really loud bang or clang. Um, and, and that's when King Charles he snaps and starts attacking his own men. And because he's the king, they don't really attack him back. So he did kill several of them before they managed to kind of like calm safely down. tackle him. Yeah. I wouldn't say calm him down, but mm. you know. Subdue him. Um, he even attacked his own brother, Louis. Of course, he's named Louis. Who's also a famous figure in French history. Yeah. Um, so it's said that he went into like this brief coma-ish state or like trance-like state um, and then came out of it. But that's kind of the first documented episode he had of psychiatric illness. Um, and so current uh, scholars think this was maybe schizophrenia. Okay. Uh and that would make, because that would make sense for, like, yeah. both the behavior, age and... the age, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but there's also some theories that, like, it was noted he was sick right before this. And it maybe it was, like, kind of a brain injury from, like, a in, brain inflammation, maybe meningitis type of, of illness. Um, but something changed. He starts having more and more of these episodes. Sometimes he would forget who his family was. Sometimes he would refuse to bathe. He would refuse to change his clothes for weeks. And um, he would, yeah, maybe have periods of being quite normal again and then go back into these episodes. Um, there is a funny story. This doesn't have anything to do with glass illusion, but there's a funny story where when he was, like, refusing to bathe, the doctors made this plan and they're like, here's our treatment plan. The king's men are going to hide all over the castle in rooms he's going to go into. And when he walks into the room, they're going to jump out and scare him. You know, they're going to scare him out of his craziness. Hmm. That's what you want to do. Yeah, that seems Because, you know, the reasonable. last time he was really startled, he didn't just kill a bunch of his soldiers or anything like that. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, great. Great cure. Great cure for mental illness, guys. They maybe thought that he had the hiccups. So, um, okay, now we get to the glass delusion, because this okay. is one of the most noticeable episodes of his illness. It was actually written about by Pope Pius, the Pope at the time, mm -hmm. because it was so, I don't know, unusual, notable. Noteworthy. Yeah. yeah. So it became what's called a fixed delusion, meaning it kept repeating. It was something he couldn't uh, get, get over, basically. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't let go. So he was sure his entire body was made of glass. Um, and that if he like would bump into something or someone, or if he tried to sit down or lie down, like without very slowly and carefully doing this, he was just going to shatter. So he had his tailor sew iron rods into his clothing, like protecting cage, a protective cage around him, like an iron rib cage, maybe. Okay. Um, so that, you know, if he bumped into something, he wouldn't shatter. And then he would also wrap himself in all these blankets all the time. There's even portraits of him in bundled up clothes and blankets so that he could sit down without breaking. Okay. Um, so basically he just started staying in his room most of the time and just trying to be very still all the time um, to protect himself. And he didn't let anyone touch him. Even his 
wife, but somehow they had like 12 kids. So I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Clearly, clearly he let her touch him sometimes or those weren't his kids. There was rumors of her affair with his brother, Louis, but that's just royalty, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Um, so as a result of this, he will go down in history as Charles the Mad instead of Charles the Beloved. Hmm. Um, Shocking. <laughs> so there are other nobles and royals. That's not the only example. Okay. So there's a French prince who, like, soon after this was recorded and the doctor said, um, okay, well, you should sleep on straw all the time and, and stay on it as much as you can so you don't break. Because, um, I mean, A, they don't know anything about medicine. B, they don't know anything about psychiatric illness. We barely know anything now. Um, but C, it's the king or prince or royalty. And if they say something, what are you going to be like? No, you, you aren't glass. You're going to be like, oh, okay. you are glass. So let's protect you, yeah. your glass highness. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this patient was apparently cured um, when his straw mat caught on fire. Oh, and tempered him. Um, here's the thing. Is there some, some stories are just like, oh, his straw mat just happened to catch on fire. And some stories are like, the doctor set his straw mat on fire on purpose to be like, mm, guess this isn't going to protect you. you. You should decide you're not made of glass because you just can't be safe. And then he was cured. Hmm. So I don't know exactly how that went down. Okay. Um, so some people believe that they were entirely glass, like King Charles. Some people felt they were like trapped in a glass bottle. Uh, some believe that they were specific glass items, like there was uh, an unnamed royal that was recorded as believing he was not a human, but a glass vase instead. Um, so another example of that is Princess Alexandra Amelie of Bavaria who she developed a very specific glass delusion in her 20s. Um, so just a side note, she was really interesting. She was very, very smart, which, okay. as you'll see, that kind of comes along with this, maybe. Really? Um, I will tell you about it. So she was a writer. She translated stories. She wrote poetry, like all these different things. She does lots of languages. Um, and like King Charles, she probably had some other like underlying mental illness problems before the glass delusion started. Um, she compulsively cleaned things. She always yeah. wanted to wear white all the time because she thought it was cleaner. All sorts of documentation like that. Um, but anyways, one day she, they kind of figured out something was wrong when they realized she was like walking through doorways sideways and stuff and being a little more odd than normal. Um, and she kind of admitted that she believed she'd swallowed a glass grand piano when she was a child and it could just break at any time so she had to just walk very carefully and obviously glass pianos are very big so you had to go to the door sideways with them mm-hmm. uh, true mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um some people thought like parts of them were glass like just their heart was glass just their legs or arms or just their butt okay so men specifically seem to have um often this glass butt delusion. Um, and so there were cases of, you know, strapping pillows on their behinds and such. Um, there is a, a relative of Cardinal Richelieu, Francis Cardinal Richelieu, you might have heard of him. Who, I don't know. 
You haven't heard of him? Uh, doesn't ring a bell this time. Okay, no problem. We have no time. Okay, no problem. No time. <laughs> we don't have time for tangents in this one, even though I usually adore a tangent. Yeah. I'll fill you in later. Um, so, suffered from glass this glass butt delusion. Um, there is one documented case where a doctor just spanked the patient a lot to prove to them their butt was not glass. Okay. I don't know if that's a true story. But they said that they cured them. Oh, okay. I don't believe it, but lots of things are written that aren't true. Um, Hmm. There were fears. (laughs) There were fears that their people had their their heads made of glass. Um, And there's kind of a, speaking of tangents, like a related thing where it's like, maybe they didn't think their head was glass, but like their head was too heavy to hold up and it was going to fall down if they didn't hold it up and then it would shatter. Okay. Um, so it's kind of similar to the glass delusion. And the most famous person to suffer from this condition was a Russian composer you've probably heard of named Peter Tchaikovsky. Yes. So he believed his head would fall off while conducting if he didn't hold his chin. Um, so mostly he actually avoided conducting his, his, uh, his music I, I, because that of That makes sense. I wouldn't um, want to conduct and have my head fall off either. Well, just got to hold it, apparently, by the chin. So he actually wrote a letter to his patroness saying, All my life I have been tormented by awareness of my inability to conduct. It has seemed to me there is something shameful and disreputable in not being able to stop myself, trembling with fear and horror at the very thought of going out in front of the public with a baton. Um, He did somehow overcome his fear, and he conducted the Enchantress in 1887 without his head falling off. Excellent. Good for him. Yeah. Um... So more recently, like 1920s, so very recent, you know, yeah. concerning this, um, there was a guy whose name I'm going to butcher named Georgios Hatsianistis, who was a Greek military, that's supposed to be a Greek name, I said it horribly, Greek military officer. So he was a commander of the Army of Asia Minor during the Greco-Turkish War in 1922. Okay. And he... Uh, failed real bad in response to the Great Offensive, and that turned the war in the Turks' favor. And um, he didn't respond to this offensive basically because he thought his legs were made of glass. So he all of a sudden just wasn't going to move because he didn't want his legs to shatter. Um, And that didn't work out well for him because they, uh, the Greek leadership, there's a very famous thing that I've just learned about for this podcast called the Trial of the Six, in which they executed six people for basically failing so hard. He was the only military guy that was executed for this. But he was tried as an anti-Venizalist. Venizalist? I don't know how you say it. Venizalism or Venizalism was a like a famous Greek political movement from the 1900s that um, okay. I'm not going to completely describe because it's like, there's just, they believed this and this and this and this and this, like... Anyways, um, so they had this tryout, and he actually ended up being executed because he believed he was glass and didn't want to shatter. So, you know, high treason. I guess so, yeah. Okay, so what was actually happening here? Um, Well, they didn't know anything about medicine, right? No. Well, no. Here was their theory, okay? We're not going to start with what's actually happening. We're going to start with their theory. So their theory was the four humors, obviously. Makes sense. Because that's all they knew, right? Yep. Um, if you hadn't heard us or anyone else talk about this before, 
the four humors is the dominant medical theory since the ancient Greek period, and it stretched all the way until the 1800s, basically, um, where they believe the body has four humors, liquids, which were blood phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. Uh, and if the humors aren't balanced, you get illness. And what illness you get depends on which humor is, you know, too dominant, whatever. So an excess of black bile is tied to melancholy. Right. And we use that word today to just mean like, oh, I'm really sad. Um, so, and they used it kind of like that, like depression, disillusionment, extreme sadness, like, so because black bile was associated with the cold and dry, uh, medical professionals thought that for some reason that that associated with the imagination of the person suffering melancholy. I don't know. Cold Good. and dry Cold had something to do with thoughts. your brain and imagination. Yes. Okay. Yes. So black bile was also the humor associated with your intellect. So that's where I was saying being smart kind of, they associated smart people with getting this type of melancholy. Okay. Which we kind of, kind of today also think that like very high IQ people are more prone to kind of depressive Bouts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they thought, you know, poets, philosophers, scholars, they're more prone to a melancholic disposition. Um, and therefore, because the glass solution was linked to melancholy and black bile, then the glass solution is linked to intellectuals. Yeah, I understand the, the loop they're making there. Okay. Um, but I'm going to bring it back to when I said, you know, smart people or royals or men have this more often. And I would like to point out that... This is probably a bias because we don't write stories and history about poor people and women. Yeah. So uh, who knows if that's actually just, the case. Just underrepresented. Underrepresented. Not represented. <laughs> Either one's fine with me. Um, so we also, you know, like I said, see it occurring in royalty. So let's talk about what might have actually been happening. Sure. So, when you're a royal, you probably have a lot of fear and anxiety about being harmed. I would assume being so. Being poisoned, being assassinated. Um, they were also constantly scrutinized for everything, you know. What's your physical health like? Are you producing an heir? You know, everything was under a magnifying glass. No pun, All the time. No pun intended there. Yeah. Um, so that might be part of it. Like they had no privacy. The glass delusion could be this manifestation of their anxieties about fragility and transparency, personal private space, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of historians think that this is highly linked, um, to the fact that glass is a new material at the time. Trans sure. Transparent glass, especially was, a, was a new material. Yeah. Um, and, and that was seen, it was like really magical, right? They're like, oh, we transformed sand, like this not transparent thing. And like, it was seen as, it was associated with alchemy and all these, these transform, transformative things. Um, and, and this is a time when only rich people would have had this transparent glass because it's new and it's all the rage, right? Yep. So royalty is going to have it. Rich people are going to have it. Um, and there is a pattern through history of delusions centering around new and seemingly miraculous substances. Apparently, there was a concrete delusion that went around after concrete came into into being. Okay. Which I will have to look into, too, yeah. because I didn't have time. Um, so, there's a guy named Gil Speak, and he is the world's foremost expert on the glass delusion. 
Well, he says. <laughs> I'm willing to proclaim. I'm willing to believe him. He's okay. a historian. Yeah. Um, so he was wondering if King Charles VI kind of made the belief fashionable. Maybe sure. it wasn't even that people actually thought they were made of glass. Maybe they just wanted to be similar to royalty. Um, because, like, that happens. Like, for example, there was the time when a bunch of French nobles faked having anal fistulas because they wanted to be like King Louis XIV and be fashionable. Right. They even begged to have surgery, which they probably would have died from. Just because they wanted to have an anal fistula like the king. Yeah. Which no one wants. No one wants that. No. But what I'm trying to say is that that happens. So um, we don't know, obviously, what was going on. Like I said, schizophrenia is a good guess. Yeah. Like having an underlying mental illness. And then there's this trend of this. And then there's this new substance. So uh, I think like everything else, it's a bunch of things coming together. And it created this pattern. And then it largely went away. But not because the mental illness went away. It just manifested in, in different ways after this time period. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and I do intend on learning about that concrete delusion thing. That yeah. sounds interesting as well. Sure does. Um, so that's all. That's all I wrote. Perfect. Didn't have time for much more. And uh, I, I do promise in two weeks we're going to have a cool episode about the East India Company. Sir? On the end? Mostly the British one. Okay. Um, and I will have a special guest who knows something about history, unlike me. But I did a lot of research. So I think you'll learn something. And I think you'll think it's cool. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for uh, your patience and bearing with me getting an episode out this week. If you would like to reach us, we do have an email. Teach me something for the number four at gmail.com. Uh, you know, comments, saying hi. Episode suggestions, corrections, any any of those things, I'm happy to hear from you. Uh, so thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Teach Me Something. Once again, I'm Melissa. And I'm Everett. And I hope you learned something new. Bye.